podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. Hey everybody, welcome to Star Trek The Next Conversation. The only podcast I know of currently going through Deep Space Nine besides Treks in the City. I'm Matt. I'm Andy. And I'm already lost without him. That's right. Seems like he was lost there for a second. Appropriate quirk. Yeah, I was. A little slow on the draw. <laughs> I was like, oh, that, that, that intro that I was totally in control of uh, was quicker than I thought it would be. <laughs> <laughs> um... How you doing, pal? You know, Andy, just, uh, I, we, I embraced the rain that we had here in Los Angeles. Big, big, big news when there's rain here. It was exciting. I love it. Matt loves it. Yeah. Both East Coasters. Yep. I, uh, people I also here like how... lose their minds when it yes. rains. They yes, cannot I... drive. They freak out. Everything like, shuts down. All of the oh my I, on my drive home, all of the stoplights were out. It was just like, what? This kid, <laughs> the system's not built for rain. <laughs> it's like it's just rain. I um I we're in Los also Angeles to those near the pod. Noticed that um, there was like very little traffic on the two uh, when I was coming back from the golf course at like seven thirty in the morning, which is like prime traffic time. Yeah. And I was like, "Would people stay home because of rain?" I think it. I think they did. <laughs> I think people yeah. stayed home because of the rain. It makes sense. Uh, it, was, it was like crazy. And then, like yesterday, when I went to the golf course, and it was like just drizzly in the afternoon. Uh-huh. And I said to the to the girl at the the at the pro shop, I said, uh, "You guys have any available time today?" And she's like, "Yeah, that's like all we have right now." And I'm like, "Great, can I go out? How soon?" She's like, "Right now." <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting to me that they don't shut down. They're still well, like, no, because like rain, rain is not like mm. golf is played in the rain. It doesn't, you know what I mean? It's like not, it's not crazy to be playing golf in the rain. Right. But like to everybody in Southern California, it is. I guess because we only have 20 days of rain a year. <sighs> Man, I miss the East Coast. <laughs> um,. Well, I'm actually going to Google that right now. How many days of rain does Southern California get every year? I've got Los Angeles. Um, I mentioned this to you on text. I don't know if 36 this is right. days. We get 36 days a year of rain. I mean, it's. I, you think that affected our, quote, drought? Everyone's, everyone's always <laughs> terrified on. about a drought. Boston gets 137 days. <laughs> How many does New York get? I'll tell you in a second. I don't remember a lot of rain. 117. Yeah. That's so, a third. That's a third. That makes little, sense. It's a little, a little less than Boston. But, uh, you know, I didn't realize that. I didn't. I never looked it up. I've never looked that up until just now. How what, many, what reason how much would you it have? Rained, how much it rained in Boston? It rained like almost half the time. <laughs> Not half the time, but like a third of the time it was raining. Sure. That's pretty wild. I never thought about that. 
Although I guess like the last couple of Julys I went out there, it was like the like it was just like monsoon season. <laughs> now are they including like snow and sleet and stuff, or is that a separate rating? Oh, that's a good question. I, I didn't make the chart. I don't know, Andy. Uh, You're not a meteorologist. It's not, not yet. amongst your skills. I'm hoping to be. Oh, is that is that your next career? <laughs> I think it might have to be. I've got nothing else going on. <laughs> Um, uh, I no, I was specifically. Hang on, okay. I was specifically rain. <laughs> yeah, gonna, even though Matt started this, I'm going to take responsibility for driving this off the tracks. I have hang lots on, of, hang on. Yeah, now I I'm asked, just going to go with how much how much precipitation. Right? I asked too many polite follow up questions. It's on me. <laughs> uh, while you're doing that, Matt. Yeah, precipitation is the same answer, so it must include. Does must snow include. count as precipitation? See, I did it yeah. again. Yeah. This is the problem is, theoretically, Matt and I, as you've seen, because we, I think our live show was four and a half hours, five hours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we could theoretically keep the ball in the air forever if, you know, we were just until one of us passed out. That's the only thing that would stop it. Yeah, I don't think there's ever going to be a time when I... um run out of topics to talk about that aren't the topic I'm supposed to be talking about. Yeah. But I guess since we're here, we might as well go to the Admirals Club, Andy. We can. <sighs> but I we got to do the thing, I had a, thing first. I had a thing. Well, okay, that's fine. How many things do we have? Because we got to say, should you I have a thing episode? that I want to raise as a point of uh, interest that I think I already mentioned to you by text. Is it about the rain during the day? It's not. I can, sort of, well, I can sort of roll that up in this if that's uh, integral to the uh, to the. Is that the theme of this episode? <laughs> it's not even. It's about the Nagis. Um But I was at a party the other night. I'm on a roll. I was at two parties in two weeks. And um, when do you sleep, Sakai? I know. I'm I'm on fire. <laughs> and um, I'm in a. I mean, I mean, I'm talking to two other guys and. And they're both geeks, but like one of them, I start talking about with Flash comics because I'm trying to. I'm asking a very secundary. Oh boy, what a, what what? a dork! What a oh man, Flash comics. You would goes. not have been welcome in this conversation. There he goes. <laughs> this guy yeah, was you, obsessed. What are you thinking? What are you thinking what's going on in Star City lately? <laughs> <laughs> of course, you fucking mock with one hand and then have a very. Deep cut, flash specific with the other. Um, so, um, uh, what do you, what do you guys? Was that conversation in the Speed Force? Huh? Um, so I'm talking, I'm talking to the, these guys, and I start asking the guy very secundal-like questions about. There was this one comic I'm trying to track down. Professor Zoom was beating the crap out of Flash at the end of it, but I think the rest of it was Superman racing Flash. I think that's what's on the cover. And so, and he immediately went, I think it's this, I think it's this era, whatever. And we lock into each other. And I think I said earlier on in the conversation something. Was it it like um, in Wayne's World when Mike Myers first sees uh, Tia Carrera? Tia Carrera and Dreamweaver starts playing? (laughs) (laughs) It was for me. I don't know if it was for him. He was definitely a professional nerd. And and he's a writer, too. And uh, and I said at some point something. I think the other guy may have... I don't know if he pimped me out into it or he just mentioned or something, but just something about the Star Trek podcast. And I kind of made fun of it. And uh, 
He's <laughs> <laughs> trying to get to the chorus of By the end <laughs> Is the flash issue <laughs> <laughs> So we talk We talk very intensely To the point where it's sort of like Alright we gotta we gotta get away from each other This is this is getting too nerdy And everyone else walked away from us We should talk to other people at this party And I think we both were mutually like You want to exchange information Maybe we'll get lunch at some point I was like great I do that, and, and I look him up later. It's Robert Wolf, Robert Hewitt Wolf, who was a DS9 writer, wrote 37 episodes. That's a that's a fuck ton of episodes. Um, and I mentioned the Star Trek thing, and I don't know if I asked him a Star Trek question or I. I basically I did lay out. Yeah, the the theme of the show is that basically I watched TOS, but I didn't, you know. And I told him the concept. And he seemed to have no reaction, as in retrospect, is totally appropriate. <laughs> um, uh, but it was real fun. So uh, if we have any questions, and he wrote The Passenger. That's one that we went past already. And Q-less. So if we had our Q-less or Passenger questions, we could have, uh, I could have floated it out to him. Um, oh, I know this. Yeah, a fistful. He wrote a fistful of data. That's well. right. That was. We also could have asked fistful of data questions. I'd rather not. All right. <laughs> he probably also would rather we did it. Do you think he's embarrassed? <laughs> Who knows? That was his first big thing, right? Uh, I mean, maybe he loves the episode. In it's which a, case, I mean, he certainly wrote a mother, enough of these. Wrote he must Star, have fun. If I wrote an episode of Star Trek, I'd love it too. I guess. She's thirty-seven, so he must have been there the whole run. Uh, in fairness to him. Yeah. Sounds like it's going to be an insult. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're saying in regards to Fistful of Datas? Yeah, it was. There's like know, a billion credits. Sixth on season, it. and it was 400 people in that room. Sure, so right. Yeah. I'm not going to blame him. <laughs> there were good stuff. Well, look, we discussed. Good there's good, good stuff in it. It just, you know, it gets it gets TNG silly at certain points, which you know, he may he may uh, he may be someone who accepts that. He did the story to. He uh, certainly seemed very reasonable when we were talking about writing trials shit. and tribulations. He wrote the story. Yeah, he's got story credit on trials and tribulations. Uh, anyway, funny, huh? So if we if anything occurs to us, let me know. Nothing will. Occur. I don't know if that will. He'll immediately block me <laughs> if I start going. Hey, in this episode, it, it would, what happened? This, what was the discussion in the room? What, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> What time okay. was Stephen Bear's uh, blue beard really like? <laughs> Follow-up question. Was it, was it purple or was it blue back then? Now, was Q interested in Vosh or was he just sort of being a Q? What was happening? <laughs> I'm doing a little bit of Jay Leno again. Uh, um, you're anyway. using a voice, which is like, I, you know, Wallace Shawn, I was like, Wallace Shawn, you don't need to use a voice. Just use I your voice. 100%... Thought this. I was just like, "Why are you leaning on it? Why you you have yeah. a Ferengi have, voice, Wallace Sean. <laughs> you look just, like a Ferengi. They might as well have perfect. given someone a picture of Wallace Sean to design the Ferengi. That's rude. Well, it's he true. doesn't look that much like a Ferengi. He's described by Woody Allen in as um, a Ferengi <laughs> in Manhattan. Uh, do you remember? Have you seen Manhattan? Not in. 15 years. I know it's a déclassé and possibly offensive to even invoke uh, his name. But uh, uh, but in Manhattan, um, um, Diane Keaton is talking about this 
her her ex and how he changed her sexually and all this stuff and it's all built up and then it turns they run into it it turns into that it's Wallace Shawn <laughs> and uh, Wallace Shawn's like oh it's so great to see you and then he walks away and and Woody Allen's like I, I just don't I'm very surprised and she she's like what and she says I don't know you just kept talking about him like this great sexual presence like and not this little homunculus which uh, I think is a good description of a uh, Ferengi sure. Of course, that is Woody Allen. So who's, who's you know, everyone's throwing stones. Um, shall we stay on Woody Allen for the next hour and a half? We just want to start off an episode talking about uh, people who have, uh, you know, <laughs> made huge. Uh, uh, never mind. Forget it. You all know what he did. Let's move uh, on. Should we cut yeah. this? <laughs> no, I mean, look. I don't know. <laughs> Matt will do anything to not cut something, even get the show canceled. <laughs> I think it's important to remember everything about everyone for all time. <laughs> Thank a, you and good day. <laughs> that, works, that works. That does not work as a defense in this situation, but yeah, I appreciate it. Looks the like he, he did some terrible things and <laughs> and, and and made funny movies, uh, but did terrible things. So, what are you going to do? All right. <sighs> None of it's fun. Okay, here we go. DS9, huh? Andy, would you have them watch this episode? Yeah. <laughs> that was good timing. I mean, really, it was. I'm very impressed by that. Thanks. Great job. Uh, Matt, would you have them watch this episode? Yeah, why wouldn't you? My timing wasn't as good as his. I'm operating at a deficit because the timing isn't... I can't exactly hear the lead-in at the same time that it mm. plays also. Um, I, I just stumbled upon like now I'm looking at like IMDb having like there's podcast credits on IMDb, yeah, which is crazy and infuriating to me. They don't belong on IMDb, everybody. <laughs> what do you mean? We're, pri- Podcast? we're podcasters. Give us our credits. Yeah, but that's not a yeah, it's not a movie. Are you or looking a television? At, show. Are you looking at your credits? No, no, no. I just, I just like. <laughs> Found like through the the Robert uh, the Wolf uh, Wolf three five nine we'll call him. Uh, sure. I found uh, he did a he was on a podcast and I was like, why is a podcast listed in these credits? Oh. And then I clicked on that podcast and then I clicked on the host and then he's got like a gajillion fucking podcasts under his credits as a producer. Yeah. And I'm just like, what? what? What is happening? <laughs> Wait, he doesn't. Why? Why but that's that that's thing? just because he was on them, right? He doesn't do his own podcasts. Correct. I'm ta- but I'm talking about the He was really plain coy if he didn't bring up down, podcasts with me. I clicked down the, you know, I went down the I I went down the rabbit hole. I got to get off the rabbit hole. Internet go away. Thank you very much. Let's just talk about But Matt, pay attention to me. Look at all the information here. No, get away, internet. <laughs> I've had enough. I've had my fill of you for the day. No oh boy. Uh, I have to go. I don't care if Memory Alpha is there. I don't need you anymore. I'll get you next time, Myra. Uh, uh, Andy, let's go to the Admiral's Club. Welcome to the Admiral's Club. Here we are. It's the Admiral's Admiral's Club. Club.
would you like to be in here? Very simple. All you got to do is write a five-star review of us wherever you get your podcast materials, uh, wherever there's a possible rating. Maybe we're listed on IMDb and we don't know it. Go rate it there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and email it in if it's a place I probably wouldn't look, which would be anywhere except iTunes. Um, first is from the Mad Titan of Maine. It says, a pleasure of a podcast. If you're looking for the most in-depth Star Trek podcast featuring every technical Easter egg, you'll probably want to look elsewhere. If you've been searching for a podcast that quickly and concisely gets to the point of each Trek episode, maybe search a little more. If you're seeking a Trek podcast with slick editing, minimal mistakes, correct sound cues, and no confusion as to the next segment, you'll absolutely want to skip this. But if your goal is to spend time listening to simply an enormously entertaining podcast about Star Trek, you cannot go wrong with this crew. Matt and Andy are fun, engaging, knowledgeable, honest, and just plain delightful to listen to the majority of the time. I've been working in radio and podcasting in a professional capacity oh, all right, interesting, for over 12 years. Your IMDb must be off the chain, <laughs> Titan. Um, and if you love Star Trek, it is my humble opinion that this is one of the best pieces of audio entertainment you'll find out there. Great job. And I look forward to continuing this mission as a newly minted admiral, the Mad Titan. And we, and we did it all Maine. without guests. So true. Against That's my right. wishes. That's where we're like my favorite of our of the Star Trek podcast. <laughs> We're just like, you know what? This is your favorite because it's less of a headache for you. <laughs> oh, my God. Could you imagine us trying to schedule a third person? No, but, you know, we would have more listeners. It's I a, don't care. It's a... I like the listeners we have. Oh, this is, hey, you everybody. always find a way to make me the it's bad mad. guy. <laughs> always the bad guy. I'm um, happy. I'm happy over here in our yard. This is lovely grass. I don't even know what color the other grass is. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> it's just because you can't get off your ass to walk into the next yard. Um, Mad Titan, uh, write us and tell us what your your podcasting experiences are. I'm curious. Uh, Don, this one, next one is from... I hope he tries to get the Infinity Gauntlet just so he can snap his fingers and remove half of all podcasts. That would be very helpful. That would probably wouldn't even make a dent. <laughs> oh, it wouldn't. Not at all. It would not change. That would not solve any resources problem on this planet. Um, this is from uh, hilariously uh, named Donut Lorian, um, who says, "Don't give up. If you start this pod and then immediately turn it off in frustration or disgust, don't worry. You'll probably you probably will love it in time." Pro tip. Do not start with your favorite episode of Trek thinking this will be a good litmus. Instead, just start with any random episode that you don't particularly love or hate, but simply remember for whatever reason. For example, the episode on a character you looked up, you looked, uh, I guess, upped, up, but not in the way you wanted. Um, up to? Looked. So what do you think it is? Up to? I don't know. It says looked, but not in the way you wanted. Data's day or lessons. Also... Skip the first hour and go straight to the episode discussion. The hail section is only for after you've gotten hooked on the low-key vibes and easy listening for in format. Boy, there ain't that go. the truth. Our first five minutes was a golf discussion. Um, it was weather. It was about weather. You're right. It's more about weather. Come on. I apologize to you. If you're going to go off topic, know what the topic was. To meteorologists everywhere. Uh, that's it for the Admirals Club. All right, let's head into the president's circle. And that was the Admiral's Club. The United Federation.
Here we are. It's President Circle. Do you want to be in here? Do you want to listen to more podcasts than you could possibly uh, need in your life? Well, we've got them. They're over there in the President Circle. We're doing six every month right now. We got uh, four plus two, four episodes of Enterprise, two episodes of Voyager happening right now. When Picard picks up, we're going to be doing that over there. It's just a hoot. Join the President Circle. Support the show. I don't have a job. Andy does. This is my job. That was an email, <laughs> not a job. Was it a job? Maybe check the email. No, it's job offer. It was spam. Oh, too bad. Um, oh, hang on, hang on. <laughs> oh, also spam. <laughs> this is what he does all day long when we're not recording this podcast. Um, do you want to explain the... Uh, Medal of Valor? Oh, Christopher Pike, Medal of Valor, essentially. It's just Andy picking his favorite comment of the week, and uh, you got to pretend medal. Andy, who is it this week? It's from our very loyal and dedicated and beloved uh, uh, crew member, uh, Lieutenant Commander Jeff Mullins, who uh, sent us a, a DS9 sound clip of Bashir screaming. With Andy and Matt. He's trying to not blow the you know I don't think that's I don't think that blows it I think this is what you're listening for there we go ah! doctor ah! oh thank god my nipples you gotta keep, keep track of that jingle we're gonna be using that one again <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's because he had his arms up like this, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. I might want to just someone might want to just isolate Matt saying ah, my nipples and just uh, save that for moments of of stress on this podcast. Anyway, thank you, uh, thank you, Jeff. That's fantastic. Um, and now we're into the priority one messages proper from our Patreon. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. All right. Move along home. Lieutenant Maddowing says if this was an episode, an Enterprise episode involving Trip, the title would have been, go on now, get. Southern accent he requested. Instead of move along home. <laughs> oh, yeah. Go on now. <laughs> Matt, is a give, Matt, Matt is giving you the requisite nod of acknowledgement yeah. uh, <laughs> Mr. and Miss but not always and Miss the ultimate trekkers says best thing about this episode it's all uphill from here worst most misleading trailer ever uh, Lieutenant Marger has a contrary thought uh, as did many people actually about this episode I really like this one it stands out as one of the most memorable episodes of season one or at least one I remember a lot of Mainly because the main guy was so out there and just looked and sounded so over-the-top silly. It's brilliant. Over-the-top's TOS stuff, sure. And don't get me wrong, it's a bad, bad episode. Um, sometimes it's nice when there's nothing at stake, but it has to be in a better but it has to be in a better script. But I just really like this one because of how stupid it is, I think. The mystery of where are we and what's going on here has been done a lot better, sure, but I still enjoyed that too. Maybe I'm remembering this way too fondly, but it was just a couple of years ago I saw it for the first time. It's just some nice, stupid Star Trek stuff. Wow, it's nice a... when DS9 goes stupid from time to time is all I'm saying. 
That's a far more recent viewing than I thought you were going to say. Like this felt like a childhood thing where you were like, I loved it when I saw it. Well, I don't I don't remember where Marger stands in the spectrum of how long he's been a, a viewer, but I do know that sometimes I don't know if, this, if you've had this experience or if you've just been I actually feel like we're having this experience with Enterprise, but um because we're enjoying a, a good deal of it, um contrary to its reputation, but I know that even with TOS when it would be you know, I would have thought I would have seen all of them. And then I was like, oh, if you haven't seen this one, then even if it was a bad one, it would be exciting. And just sort of, I would tend to like that episode because it's just like found gold. Oh, yeah. Like uh, I saw Aquiel for the first time a couple of years ago. Oh, really? I'd, wow. It, a TNG. It had somehow slipped through the cracks. Interesting. And I saw it and I was like happy to see new Star Trek, but also like, wow, that was a bad episode <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's probably why I didn't do as much air, airplay uh, Ben Plavin uh, has the simple sentiment this whole episode is shale <laughs> shale <laughs> is it shale it's not it, it's the truth it's just not good truth um, Malolo um, who, who uh, we know better as Nacho um, uh, says I've been dreaming uh uh, with the moment on which Andy would be exposed to this masterpiece in TV torture since they watched Encounter at Farpoint. This is TV history bad. Congrats to Andy for still being here after that. Thank you, Nacho. I appreciate it. Uh, Alex Jahans, uh says, I adore this episode. Unironically, it's fun. Cork does great acting. These aliens are also technically the most successful aliens for how swiftly and easily they take out the command staff. There's no arguing that. Uh, the irony is it's part of uh, a game the irony that it's part of a game is funny also the worst episode is Profit and Lace an episode whose sole redeeming feature is making it canonical that trans people clearly have access to whatever surgeries or medications they need well that's nice right. um, Profit and Lace I don't remember Profit and Lace oh I do remember that yes uh, Ferengi women don't wear clothes, generally. Is that what happens in Profit and Lies? Uh, Ferengi women with that clothes. Quark's mother shows up. Let me remember. That. Whoa, I gotta go. I'm gonna check something else. Are Dabo girls Ferengi women? No, no. Ferengis are okay. Ferengi women are, look like Ferengis. Gotcha. Have we seen Ferengi women yet, or you and I seen them? I don't know if I have. We have not been introduced to them yet. Yeah. It raises many questions in my head already that I will spare you until we see them. Um, Risa Kochak uh, hails us. Andy Tip, any Trek episode where there's a clapping of sticks is awful. Uh, I was reminded right away of TNG's Code of Honor with the characters uh, knocking sticks together in the background when Quark starts the Chula game about 1915. Um, thank you for the time codes. I always love a time code. I disagree, though, about not needing to watch this episode. While it's true, you can miss it and lose nothing of the overall DS9 story arc. It's referred to often enough that I think any DS9 fan needs to see it, just like any TOS fan needs to see Spock's brain. I think that is fair. And that's brain and brain. What is brain? I had forgotten. It has been, it'll be really really interesting when we finally get to TOS which is not going to be years off but uh, because I it has been such a long time I've seen the movies more recently but it's been such a long time since I watched the episodes 
Mm. I throw them on occasionally. Um, Lieutenant Cosmo, uh, Lieutenant Commander Cosmo and James Moore. Um, hail us. Do people complain about Kira's uniform? I feel like it's just as tight as to Paul and Sevens, but doesn't get the eye roll, uh, Braga Berman, tisk tisk, that others do. Maybe because it's the- honestly, I'll tell you exactly why. Quarks is just as tight. <laughs> <laughs> it's, the Bajoran uniform looks like the Bajoran uniform. You know, there's no... It's not like all other Bajorans are in long robes. <laughs> right. I think... It's, also, the shoulder pads. It I just, mean, frankly, Odo's is pretty fucking tight. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. But however, Kira's... I think the reason that it wouldn't occur to me that they that there, there's as much objectification going on is because... It sort of has shoulder pads, and it's just like seems like it's just a little bit thicker material. It's a little more militant. Uh, yes. Actually, yeah. I think Tess might have a thing that addresses this here. Uh, here's a good art. Oh no, it's just an article from 2013 that addresses the fact that there must always be one female character in a form-fitting, non-standard uniform to serve the target male audience. Kira is the one in DS9. Her uniform is definitely stupidly tight, but it doesn't distract and draw the same focus to her body the same way that Troy, Seven, and T'Pol's cat suits do. Might be the fabric that cut or the fact that at least mirrors Odo's outfit and the other male Bajoran officers, which lends more legitimacy, which is kind of what you're saying, Matt. Yeah. Troy, Seven, and T'Pol are all put in uniforms no other character ever wears, and there's only one reason for it. True. And then Andy the Astrophysicist adds, interesting that it wasn't Dax in that outfit, given their apparent attitude toward her, to her being the attractive one on the show. Or maybe they tried that, and Terry Farrell just fought back successfully from the start. I'd like to think that, Andy, but I really think that a woman in Terry Farrell's position at that point in show business um, probably would not have had the the liberty. It would have been such a, a hostile environment to her speaking up about it that I doubt that she did. Um it probably is who, just who that they are you talking about? Terry Farrell. He's 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 proposing that maybe Terry Farrell said, No, you can't put me in that crazy outfit. And I don't think anyone who's about to get a regular on a TV show at that particularly at that point in time would have had the liberty to speak up, even though it's appropriate. Hmm. <laughs> um I assume they just were like, Well, she's a Starfleet officer, so we have to put her in a Starfleet uniform. Yeah, but that never stopped from Troy. Anybody on track? Yeah, it's true. I mean, even like I mean, all the f- female uniforms on uh, outside. You know, what, the to the TNG female uniforms are very. They're all they're onesies. They're super tight onesies. But all of them are not just the, yeah yeah. Um, Nick Nack Tabasco hails us. Almost nothing to do with track, but related to the pleasures of how ships and colonies and bureaucracies work in sci-fi. Almost every episode in Andor on Disney contains serendipitous detail of how the Empire and everyday life works in Star Wars, from how the clothes uh, closets the clothes closets work in a shuttle, to how various build components of the ship are manufactured, to how food, water, shaving, and toiletry is done in a jail cell, to one character having has had his regulation uniform specially tailored to look cool, to others in his unit, and so much more. If you like stuff about how the Enterprise works or how daily life works, you got to watch Andor. Do you have any interest? That sounds like that's even more up your alley than mine, although that sounds very pleasurable to me, too. I haven't Are you watched not Andor watching yet. Andor? 
I've kind of got so That's much other stuff. Fascinating. I got Everyone so much other stuff. Everyone loves it. I know. I think I've been I've been waiting for the right zone. I think sometimes I have to watch stuff like um like uh you know House of the Dragon because if I don't then people are going to give away shit and uh I'm not around nerds that are so hardcore that they're going to talk to me about Andor except for you guys. So I've been sort of waiting for the right moment. I've I gave up after Rise of Skywalker. I gave up on all Star Wars. Yeah, well, you weren't that invested to begin with. Kamaraki. That's not true. No. No. I mean, you were, as a Trek guy, didn't you? You you expressed opinions to me that suggest I've that owned just many a lightsaber in my day. You've expressed opinions to me that suggest that you're. Who saw you, Phantom Menace nine times in the theater? I did. This, this, is, this shows it's the, like you can't run around going. You don't like Star Wars. I like Star Wars. I love Star Wars. Illustrates Star your Trek level of contrariness <laughs> that you would that I have to then prove that you don't like Star Wars when I have taken so many hits and you picking over it and saying, "Oh, oh you like so that? You like that about Star Wars?" Andy? <laughs> and just like defending this property so much, so much better. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Well, here we are. We're among friends. Um, Kamaraki playing Dabo without knowing the rules at Quarks <laughs> um, says uh, stealing this from the Discord discussion we have a Discord um, I think the directions how to get on are on the fact on our Patreon stealing this from the Discord discussion um, would this episode have been better if the aliens and the people in the game had been Muppets uh, credit due to Chairman of the Borg for pointing out this episode had Sesame Street vibes. It definitely did have Sesame Street vibes. And I think it absolutely would have been better. <laughs> because it like, would have... Like, are we talking about like felt puppets? Like, I think I think that is what they're saying. That's an interesting thought, an alien race of felt puppets. I'm kind of into that idea. Because you know what it would have done is it would have framed the episode in a perspective and a tone that would have made sense for what that episode is. Whereas I the way just, it is, is it's I basically, it's basically a Sesame Brooks. street episode, not called out as a Sesame street episode. So you're like, what the crap is going on? I can't picture Avery Brooks in a scene with a Muppet. I really can't. No. Like I can't picture him acting with a thing that only does this. Uh huh. Opens and closes the mouth. That's the only thing they do. No movement of the lips. I mean, he's so smooth. I think you're wrong. I can easily see Avery Books on Sesame Street. Look up if he ever was on Sesame Street. I bet he was. I bet he wasn't. You he what? You think that he puppets. couldn't? That guy of all the actors on on Trek couldn't act against a Muppet. I think he's. Ow! <laughs> he's best suited. He's best I suited. I can't, I can't see. I, well, maybe it's not Avery Brooks. I can't see Benjamin Sisko entertaining a conversation with a puppet. I mean, from what I've seen thus far, I disagree about that. All Just right. even based on how he did Ala Marine. <laughs> Tell me that guy's not going to be able to act against a puppet. You're crazy. How you remembered that, whatever the hell that was called, Ala Marine, is beyond me, but good on you. Thank you. Um. 
David S. from the Mary Universe's Yes Andy School of Improv and Andrew Secunda School of Specific Acting Class of 2370 says, I would like, uh, I would think, uh, I think, of the, hmm, can't figure out this, I would think, oh, as the Dex symbiont inhabits the new host, they could have access to all of the host memories if the host allowed uh, or as the host remembers stuff. They walk Dex through the memory uh, of. With the relationship analogy, it would be like the new partner telling Dex a story from their past, but Dex, being a great listener, uh, would experience it like they lived the memory, but understand that it was their partner's experience. So Dex probably doesn't have every single memory of its previous hosts before they hosted Dex, but probably a decent amount of the joining was most of a host's life. I definitely agree with the remembering part, but I think as has been pointed out, I think in previous hails, it seems like the symbiont would be remembering things as would the host colored by their own memory. So that's what the other party would remember is their memory, not the actual event. You know what I'm saying? Like you would remember every one of our conversations with you being real smart and me being dumb and, and I would remember you as being uh, hostile and uh, and me being an unheralded genius. Okay, and, so but, um, if, but what if I joined? What if we joined? Then what? <laughs> I think our brain would instantly explode. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, like, I'm like, I'm with you so far. Why is but that? We, but what if we joined? Why is that trill in the corner of the room shouting at itself? <laughs> um... Who cares if that trill likes Star Wars? <laughs> uh, Lieutenant Cam says, uh, I figure the process is akin to the way, oh, there's more on this, to the way the doctor of the TARDIS, not a Voyager, regenerates. Different face, different personality traits, fundamentally the same person. The episode Dax and One More DS9 Show are the only ones who really imply the death of a host is the end of that person. Most of the other episodes that feature trill lore are very explicit that the new host is very clearly the same individual. Hmm. I don't know. That's more confused. I'm confused by that, but okay. The original TNG episode seemed to be saying that the host is more the same individual. I haven't seen enough. This this Dax seems to say no. So I you know, we'll see more as we go. Lieutenant Dylan Ekmalian says, I think I figured out what's really wrong with New Trek besides the terrible writing. Watching Andor, oh, it's in more Andor stuff. They kept the feel and technology the same. It, it feels like we were watching a movie show from the 70s and 80s. They still have big bulky devices. Music sounds like it was blowing, blowing the speaker. Uh, it feels like Star Wars. New Trek just feels like it could be a futuristic movie show. It would work without the title. I think this is a valid point. I think there is a, the, a retro aspect of the new Star Wars stuff. That is kind of what at least I definitely want to see. Um, that was the best part of Rogue One. Rogue One has felt the most like Star Wars of any Star Wars movie released in the last 20 years. A hundred percent. But I think... the buttons clicked and the screens yeah. look like CRTs. It's like, just make it look so, like fucking Star Wars. So satisfying. But all the effects were updated anyway. Yeah. So it's still satisfying. Uh, however, I do feel like they're trying to draw this balance more with Strange New Worlds and they're they're succeeding, in my opinion. Even though it's obviously that everything's massive and all the rooms are giant and stuff, mm. I like that it has that '60s feel. It doesn't. It doesn't feel '60s enough. You would want, yeah. I wouldn't mind them going further. I agree with that. Yeah, 
I would like oh, I'd like more honestly I'd like more hard buttons. That's really what would do it for me. I kind of agree. Uh, it's also more funny clicking click like like what was the, there I can't like the um when Valaris is uh navigating the Enterprise out of space dock in Star Trek 6. Uh-huh. And and they have the close-ups of Kim Cattrall hitting, like pushing all the switches and stuff like that, and then yeah. pulling up the thrusters. I'm like, that's like immensely satisfying. Yeah, I agree with all of that. Um, I had something else relevant to say, but it's gone forever. You guys will never know. You'll never know what that other thought was. Oh well, <laughs> I'm sure it was something real dumb. So I wouldn't worry about it. Um, Mark T writes us, uh, haven't worn this in a few years. Must have lost a little weight. It feels a little baggy. Cisco, early in the episode. Extremely not relatable. <laughs> I totally <laughs> I think that is it is such a weird moment. And I guess they I guess they do you think that they wrote that because they're like, hey, we we don't wanna we don't wanna say that Avery Brooks is fat, you know, because he's obviously not. Like or it's like I'd such a weird thing to, to be like, oh, like what if I haven't you... put this on in a while. I actually like have to... lost a lot of weight and I'm much more fit like than I was when I was young. Because that might be an improv. <laughs> Should I look that up? I don't think that we, I don't think we, do we have DS9 scripts? I don't have any, personally. Um, we could we could access all of the, uh, all right, I'm not going to slow this down. Um... As he said, as he absolutely slowed this down. (laughs) There's some DS9. I think it's there. All right. I'm going to look it up as we get further into the episode. I'm not going to slow it down now. Um, Kevin Quinn writes, I'm noticing that the O'Brienless episodes tend to be the worst ones so far. Get your ass up that hill and back down that mountain in a hurry, Colm. Colm. He's back, baby. He is back. And now this time we lost Keiko. Did that affect the quality of the episode? Well, TBD. Um, Cam also says, until you played the extended clip of Odo talking to the computer, I had literally never noticed that the DS9 computer isn't voiced by Majel Barrett. Of course not. It's a Cardassian computer, so why would it have a Starfleet computer voice? That's a nice little detail you wouldn't even notice if you didn't pay attention. According to Memory Alpha, the lady who does the voice uh, on the DS9 computer is Judy Durand, also voiced the space dock computer space doors are closed space doors are closed in star trek 3 and has voiced the federation computers in various video games oddly she also isn't credited for about half her work on the show hmm. she must have been making a mint though don't you think or do you think they screwed her i don't know i really don't know what you would pay that person oh man what a deal fucking rattle off a bunch anything... of lines i don't think it's like I don't know. I, I assume it's not. You're not getting paid like a narrator. I can't even do the inflation, so I wonder if it was like three grand or four grand an episode or some crap like that. But that's still pretty good. You go in and I can say some things. <laughs> that's what I want. Hey guys, I want to, I want to have a job where I say some things and then I get paid money. So uh, if any of you are in here, you are on a podcast. Doing oh, exactly that. I want to get paid more money and say less things. <laughs> Um, uh, here's a question. Here's a pointless, let's slow it all down question, but it is Star Trek related. A thing that occurred to me the other day in Star Trek 
two in the Kobayashi Maru test, mm-hmm. who does the British voice of the Kobayashi Maru captain that's in giving that's sending the alert? Kobayashi Maru says it like that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Is that a trivia bit? I'm not. It's not a test. It's just like that's got to be somebody, and I'm sure that 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 Trekkies know. I don't know. Um, Mario Lewis writes, I too haven't seen Fire in the Sky for the same reason as Matt. I grew up in a rural small town, Indiana, Connorsville, surrounded by woods. The most stressful parts of my summers as a child uh, was the terror that would set in when I realized I would have to ride my bike home alone in the dark. I was certain that aliens were going to abduct, uh, abduct me. Of course, it probably didn't help that I, was, that I also accidentally watched Close Encounters of the Third Kind on TV when I was home sick one day from school in the fifth grade. Oh, and that the movie is set in Muncie, Indiana, a mere 40-minute drive to my town. Uh, to Andy's point, I lived in Ditmas Park, Brooklyn, after grad school for 11 years before moving to Portland, Maine. And to this day, I still believe that I felt more safe and secure walking to and from the subway... Newkirk B train of <laughs> all the specifics at night than I do standing in my driveway at night in Maine. It's too oh, damn yeah. quiet here. Ugh. So it's, yeah, it's unnerving. I mean, it's that's certainly, obviously, as I said, that's how I feel, but that's interesting to me that someone from that environment would feel the same, particularly you're, you, you might be a, you might be a, a city boy in your bones, Mario. Um, uh, David Ruptrek Rup Ruprecht. David Ruprecht was the voice of the Kobayashi Maru captain. Ruprecht. Yeah, that's it. Probably that. Yeah. The Are David you, Ruprecht. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Did he have any other? Ever, any other? Um, I mean, he played uh, Philip Dawson on four episodes of Three's Company. Whoa. So he was in an episode of The Rockford Files and uh, Benson. (laughs) (laughs) Small Wonder, Punky Brewster, Matlock. He did it all. Days of Our Lives. I mean, it's pretty... It's a pretty great claim to fame, particularly for... He probably didn't give a shit, but I think that's pretty neat. Um, it is the same in the script to the other question. Cisco's adjusting a dress jacket. There's a sense of anticipation and excitement in his eyes as Jake enters dress uniform. I haven't worn this in almost three years. I must have lost some weight. It feels kind of baggy. So, it's in the script. Um, After Avery's uh, agent called... uh (laughs) <laughs> that is possible. Listen, Rick. Avery just, we like just this. got the script. Avery's a big fan of the show, but uh, <laughs> you got to do something about this first scene here. I can barely fit into this. I'm so fat now. I'm a huge whale. <laughs> I put on all that weight since Captain Picard killed your mother. <laughs> oh, I've got to stop mentioning that. <laughs> There are a lot of problems with the scene, and it's the the weight thing is the least of it. <laughs> um. All right, what are we talking about here? What's going on? Where are we? Uh, Chris Cloakner says, "I don't remember if this is something I read or just me guessing, but I figured Bashir 
quote, forgetting his uniform was just a bit they put in to justify not having to make Siddig a dress uniform. Brooks was probably in Frakes's and Farrell in McFadden's, but no regular male TNG actor wore blue. Ironically, the absent Meany already had one tailored for him in Data's day. That's inter- an interesting thought of did they just reuse the... Uh, that's probably 100% accurate. You think that's so? very astute. I guess that is what uh, we would do on our show. It's just sort of, to me, it like seems sacrilegious. So like, don't give Frakes' thing to somebody else. Well, and in, 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 in watch Generations again, because Frakes is in Avery Brooks' Deep Space Nine uniform. Really? Yeah. Interesting. And, and uh, LeVar is in Calm Meanies. Wow. Which is why LeVar has to have the sleeves pulled up. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I think Frakes has like. I think Frakes is a little too short for him. Sure. Because, you know, he's a little taller than Avery Brooks, but I think it's very funny that they had to do that. They were like, uh. The only people who had the only. Um, Patrick Stewart and Brent Spiner were the only two that had those uniforms made for them. Yeah. Everybody else, it was like, you can get it off the Deep Space Nine stage. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's it for the Priority One messages. Let's step into the corridor Mm -hmm. for our regular hail bag. Okie dokie. Captain, we are being hailed. From Jason Weber, uh, who writes as Dr. Bashir, or The Enduring Legacy of Toxic Masculinity. Hey, Matt and Andy, really love the pod. A quick thought on Dr. Bashir. In a way, I think the depiction of early series Bashir and his growth as a character slash man, no spoilers, Andy, is somewhat perfect. It very effectively displays the inevitable persistence of toxic masculinity in 20-something men, despite centuries of societal progress. It's the 24th century, and humans have rid themselves of virtually all of their ills. However, it still seems to be an inherent characteristic of young men, especially ones that have come out of an elite professional training background uh, program like Starfleet Medical, to behave like entitled, narcissistic, messianic fuckboys. (laughs) Um, After several years of being creepy weirdos, even if it's inadvertent, the good ones begin to pick up on social cues, maybe hit up a therapist, and grow into functional human beings. The rest become collectors. All joking aside, I went through an MD-PhD program, so I know this archetype all too well. Bashir is just a late 20th, early 21st century man at a time. When I look back at my 20s, I definitely remember some aspects of this behavior and would do things differently if given the chance. However, I also distinctly remember plenty of my male peers who were full-on baby Bashirs or even worse. Unfortunately, too many of them didn't experience the personal growth part and are still terrible to this day. Live long and prosper, Jason, St. Louis, Missouri. Um, always interested to get a professional opinion, Jason. <laughs> uh, if any um, any head of uh, operations could write in about uh, Chief O'Brien, yeah, if you could give us a take on him. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, some people have said. They just ignore it later. Some people said that they feel like it's active growth, so I'll be interested to see the distinction. Oh, yeah. He's, this is not what I remembered Bashir as. Right. I guess the question is, do they, in this non-serialized show, do they um, 
address the growth or do they just change it's, the character? It's, it, 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 it becomes uber serialized, Andy. Oh, that's right. Well, does that aspect become serialized? His character growth? His personality and character growth, yeah. Oh, great. I kind of, it, you know, TNG, very, I think, particularly the Picard character, but I think, uh, I think uh, Riker starts off as a little bit more in this direction. He's always a little bit more reasonable you know, than Bashir. Funny he wasn't I find as Riker's, as Bashir. I find Riker as a, to be a bell curve. Anyway. Where he starts off real horny, yeah, <laughs> gets less horny, and then is real horny again. <laughs> like, that's, that's true. The character of Riker always like, and it like felt like he got he got peak rehornied right when right. he and uh, Troy decided to get back together and get married. Right. I guess well, that's appropriate. He's he's with another <laughs> very yeah. sensual being. <laughs> like, I need my Um Andrew Storm. Uh, asks us, and I just I only say this here because uh, I, you know, uh, I never get any straight answers directly. So you'll hear the answer now. Any plans for a tour of the show now that COVID has lifted? Uh, Andy and I have discussed it a number of times. Uh, I, 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 I'm not opposed to it. I used to be opposed to it, but I'm not as opposed to it anymore. And I've thought about this actually recently about what the show format would be. Mm. And I was like, there's so much to crack open that we haven't even touched on this show, which is like with James Bonding, like we would always do lists of things and like top tens and like assemble, you know, a good movie. And then like, you know, we could do that kind of thing with Star Trek. So we don't necessarily even need to watch anything. But that's beside the point. Anyway, I thought that the other day. Interesting. Um, wait, so you're just saying that's what we might do in a live show? Yeah, I think that would be the best thing to do. Interesting. I mean, of course, I've always been holding back the uh, the movies for the live shows. And I'm holding them even harder for Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Eventually. The fight. I'm sure we'll get to it eventually, one way or the other. Um, S. Oh, sorry. Uh, if you would like to send, <laughs> <laughs> you just stumbling through our email address. Just reading this next thing, and then it's right ahead. Uh, after after fifty five minutes of hails, it's hard to yeah. To if you would like to do. send a hail to us, please send it to sttncpod at gmail dot com. Please uh, put the title of the episode uh, in the subject heading um, that you're referring to. Um, you can tweet uh, or Instagram Matt at Matt Myra, you can Instagram me at Andrew Secunda or tweet me at Secunda for as long as Twitter is still a thing, which may not be much longer. Hey, where's everybody else going? Is everybody else have a thought of another platform they're going to? Let us know. Um, uh, if you want to send us a voice hail, send it to 816-TREK-TNC. And you know what? I very rarely give a shout out to our face group, uh, called the face group, our Facebook group. Um, I'm going to check in and maybe uh, pull some uh, stuff from there. I haven't given it its dignity lately. Uh, wonderful, wonderful people in there. Uh, why don't you stop on by? That's it for the hailbag. Get down with the metaverse, guys. Come on. They're all over there. Yeah. Forget about Twitter. That's too toxic. Uh, how about uh, Facebook? <laughs> yeah. That's where ideas go to perish. That's where independent thought goes to die. <laughs> 
thank you, Andy. That will be the end of the uh, hailing frequencies. We'll close those up. Hailing frequencies closed, sir. We got to get a a DS9 hailing frequencies closed. Or are we just sticking with this? Is that what you said? I'm sticking with it for now. Yeah, I mean, very good. We crossed many doors to many places. Your hands made us think of all your faces. So plug TNC in your little board node. Let's talk about this week's episode. Hi, this week's episode is the Nagus. Uh, it's uh, season one, uh, episode eleven or ten, depending on how you number these things. I'm not even sure how we number it, but whatever. Aired 21st of March, 1993. Andy, what was happening? Uh, I don't. Have we heard "Informer" by Snow yet in the U.S.? Not in this show, but we have heard it in TNG. The other one is in the U.K. is "Young at Heart" by the Bluebells. I don't. Uh, I don't know if that's yet another fucking weird ass (laughs) cover by the by the British. (laughs) This week we can't really throw too much shade over there. I guess that's true. Um, number one alternative song, Feed the Tree by Belly. Number one TV show that week, Home Improvement. Uh, oh? <laughs> events. First Intel Pentium processors are shipped. Crazy. Oh, my God. I lost my mind when those came out. Um, New York Knicks and the Phoenix Suns get into a major brawl during a game. I remember that. Time Magazine cover. Can animals think? Hmm. <laughs> I want to dig up that. Uh... Good question. I hope there's an answer. What, how is that a debate? I don't know. Are they saying can animals reason, or are they saying can? I mean, animals can obviously think. I think they're defining. Well, I think think they're in a like, way that I'm not. Maybe they're talking beyond instinct. Maybe. I don't know. But yeah, they can't for sure. I feel insulted on behalf of the animals. Uh, and, and there's that elsewhere, elsewhere in Trek, a situation that we will do right now. As soon as I pull this, hmm. elsewhere in Trek. Let's see what's out there. Engage. There was no new episode of TNG that week. The new next new one was Starship Mine, which aired March 29th. Thus, during the events of the Nagus, 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 uh, the Enterprise was no doubt on its way to the Remler Array for its space colonoscopy. Uh, also, around this time, according to the Akuda's chronology, the group of pirates whom we'll meet in Gambit started stealing ancient Romulan artifacts. Mm. Nice. I guess the D Space Nine doesn't need to have a Baryon sweep ever because it doesn't travel at warp. Good to know. Is that what the Baryon sweep was for? Yeah, you collect Baryon particles when you're at high warp. They log a lot of hours on the Enterprise. Oh, boy. Do you think that they came up with that because of the thing that we, every once in a while, have experienced um, at work? Which is they have to um, they have to spray for bugs, and so then you have to wrap up everything, and everybody has to get out of there and take, <laughs> take your food away. I don't know. <laughs> depends on depends on if the Paramount lot is cleaner than the the Sony lot. 
Um, all right. So this episode was teleplay by Iris Stephen Bear, story by David Livingston, and directed by David Livingston. I don't think I've ever seen that in my life on a Star Trek episode. Holy shit. With the sudden death of the Grand Nagus Zek, Quark becomes a new leader of the Ferengi Alliance, but he also becomes a target of murder. Andy. Yes. I was noting that story and directed credit is the same person, which I've never seen before on a Star Trek episode. Uh, I had stepped away for a second. Who was it? David Livingston. Well, he's he done a lot of everything, right? So I guess maybe he finally asked if he could get a writing credit. I mean, I guess so, but it's like I got this idea. It's about the yeah, Ferengi. Who is, who is he? When is he? Who is he pitching that to? When is he pitching that? Who like he turning to Berman between takes and like, here's what I want. Here's what I think we should do. We got to explore these Ferengis. <laughs> I'm friends we gotta with get a load of these, We gotta get a load of these space juice. <laughs> All right, let's. He's saying that as a parody to the people who think that it's space juice. We do not correct. actually think that it's space yes. juice. Yes, correct. Yeah. I am Jewish, etc. Hear me roar. My son is Jewish. My wife is Jewish. I like some Jewish food, but not a lot of it. It's mostly pretty bad. I don't know. I strongly disagree. What are you saying? What? Deli food is bad? It's mostly rye. First of all, rye bread is garbage. What are you rye talking bread is crazy? Rye is bread insanity. is trash. Have you had Langers? Rye bread is trash. Oh, the stuff in between the rye bread is delicious. You don't like Which the is Langers? Why I always that is the best rye, the bread rye bread in the world. Bread this is insanity. For a Kaiser roll. This That's a, what I do. This is the dumbest opinion you have. <laughs> <laughs> give me, uh, give me. I look. I'll tell you. I'd rather have. I'd rather have like a challah uh, instead of a kais. Uh, instead of um, a yeah, challah, definitely has rye. its place. But rye, rye is the rye. rye is the. It's the utility player of the bread world. <laughs> I hate rye. I really do. I'm like, it's like. Well, also rye and sour. I'm not a big sourdough guy either. So. Oh well, see this. Okay, so you're just you're just flaunting your 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 dumbness now. If you say you don't like sourdough, then you're you're taking yourself out of the conversation. As far I as like I'm sourdough concerned. in the form of a bowl. <laughs> holding chowder or uh, jambalaya or like any sort of soup in a bread bowl. I like that sourdough. usually that sourdough has its place. I'm the one expressing opinions, and you're the one who's like coming at me and basically calling me an idiot. And I'm always polite until you said you don't like rye and sourdough bread. Look, and that was when I was like, "What the fuck are you talking about, you idiot?" Well, it is what it is. Come at me, which you are. It's fine. It also, what is the, what's the deal with Russian dressing? Why are we putting it on every sandwich? Oh, it's great. And do you, yeah, I assume if the, following this tack that you don't like a matzo ball soup, you don't like. I a, love a matzo ball soup. Oh, interesting. Well, how can you be down on Jewish food? That's the, that's the king I, of. I, I said I like some of their food. Uh-huh. Most of it's pretty bland. Uh-huh. I, 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 say to Dory, I say to Dory uh, all the time, like, which holiday do we f- discover when Jews lost salt? <laughs> It is, it is. It's sort of undeniable. Jews like, tend to undersalt things, where which is that odd, <laughs> because Jews are such an un- unhealthy eaters that it's odd that they're very light on it. But I, of course, I of course add tremendous salt to everything, so I don't. I don't notice it. Well, anyway, I like food where I don't have to add anything. It's just brought to me perfect. 
like a grub worm or whatever the hell the fruit yeah, 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 whatever, whatever, whatever Wallace Shawn's having, I'll have two. Um, here we go. This guy doesn't get a credit. This M Mr. Hom Mark II. It would have been cool if they cast another. Oh yeah, another bald giant man. Yeah, or or even made them up to sort of look like Mr. Hom, like that's their purpose yeah. in the universe. I like how the concept of like one device that had all of the content on it just wasn't it didn't exist then. Isn't it fascinating that they were so, it's so like, let's have 16 pads running around and each one would be like a book. <laughs> but that they were so far ahead of the curve and they've affected so many things and yet they were like what do you mean it would all be on one device? That's insanity. <laughs> I don't know. Everyone's bringing 14, 15, 16 pads to school. Or do you think it's more like maybe they thought of that and then it's like, eh, that doesn't seem cool. That doesn't seem future-y. That doesn't seem like fun. What, it's like have only one? It's like you theoretically, if, if, if I was making a sci-fi film, maybe I'll do this. And it was like, well, logically, at some point, they'll probably find a way to sort of make cybernetic implants and then people would have nothing. They would just walk around and... You know, it would all be internal and there would be no thing. Yeah, but that's a lot of showing and not telling. This is what, that's, that's a lot of telling and not showing. That's what I'm saying. That's, I think, why they maybe ended up with this thing. Or they couldn't conceive it, one or the other. I think it's I think it's the latter. What's the gratitude festival? It's the biggest Bajoran holiday of the year. Major Kira says it's pretty spectacular. And I figured while we were on the surface, we could visit those fire caverns you've been wanting to see. Really impressive lighting. I think I said when it in the last leave? episode. This afternoon, right after school. So detailed. For how long? Three days. Three days? Computer orange juice. Dad, do I have to go? Well, uh, no. Uh, not if you don't want to. Thanks, Dad. What is Jake eating there? Is no, that cinnamon toast? What kind of plan? I assumed it was like There's a There's an Andorian crumpet. freighter doing for a minutes check tomorrow night. An Andorian freighter. Uh, right in with your suggestion. I like a crumpet. Shipment of those new anti-grav tractors. We're hoping we'll get a chance to see one. Uh, let me get this straight. You would rather hang around a cargo bay with Nog than visit the Bajoran fire caverns with the old man. Nog's my friend. Is a crumpet just basically like an English muffin? No need to thank me, madam. Mm. Matt, I don't know if I've ever had a crumpet. If it's not, go to Trader Joe's. You can buy them. And they're not. That's where I get them. Man, they have to do that. They kind of look like little pancakes. Butter and jam on it. Yeah. And you're good to go. Here at Quark's, customer satisfaction is our primary concern. Now, you run along back to the Davo table. <laughs> Rob. That lady tells me she misplaced a fat currency pouch. Yes, brother? And that you found it. Yes, brother. And that you returned it to her intact. I was dazzled by her beauty. You worthless, tiny-eared fool. Don't you know the first rule of acquisition? Yes, brother. Then say it. 
Once you have their money, you never give it back. Exactly. You can ponder its meaning this evening while polishing every rail in the place. Now get out of my sight before I toss you at the nearest airlock. I really hung on to that threat. I did like how um, Rom then <laughs> punishes his on. son and makes him do it. Sloth and indolence. No father. We'll see about that. Tonight, you'll polish every rail in the place until they sparkle. Is that clear? Yes, father. Tonight, every rail. <laughs> that was funny. I'm surprised that he can... Do you think Rom beats his child? I'm surprised he has any discipline over Nog, the way that Nog is such a little rascal. And Nog is a little rascal by human term, like by human standards. I mean, I guess what I'm saying is I'm surprised that he would go, oh, yes, father, I'll do exactly what you're saying. As opposed to like, hey, fuck you, old man. I see you get well, pushed around. I mean, he could probably just lock him in his quarters. for. Yeah, I guess there are ways he can long. punish him. Yeah. So now have we seen and interact? I know that Morn is sort of part of the, is really part of the, the fabric of DS9 from the way people talk about him. Is this, I don't remember, is this, this is the first big scene with him? Yeah. Yeah. He never talks, but this is, uh, this is a, lot, a lot of Morn in this episode. Morn, of course, an anagram for Norm. <laughs> That's intentional? Is the gra- yes. That's great. And really great. Here on business, hopefully. It's great makeup, and the guy inside really does a great job with the eyes. Sure. Is there a difference? No, of course not. My father will reveal the purpose of his visit when he sees fit. As for now, he desires the use of a holo suite. He's heard that some of your programs are quite alluring. Oh, they are. They are. But uh, they may prove a touch energetic for his advanced years. Are you refusing his request? Oh, not at all. Not at all. Is there a particular activity you'd like to sample? Uh, the Negus dislikes having to choose between so many delightful possibilities. In that case. Here's a list of five programs that rank among my personal favorites. I'd be happy to select one for him. But that won't be necessary. The Negus has decided to try all five. So they dub that in? That weird laugh. Because he's not really, he doesn't I, seem to be laughing there. I guess so. I don't it's, know. It's so weird that he does that laugh. And unnecessary. It's also weird that Chief O'Brien now has to maintain the integrity of the space station and be a teacher now that his wife is out. <laughs> Do you think they came up with this plot that involved Jake and then... Keiko was unavailable this episode, and so they just shifted O'Brien. So he'd have, or they did they give it to O'Brien so he'd have more to do. Uh, he's. I think he hasn't. Well, he doesn't have a ton to do, but I don't know. Maybe. Hmm. Transporter Knox needed a minor adjustment in its upper molecular imaging scanner. But never mind that. All right, let's settle down. Let's settle down. Jake, Nog. Or I'll take off my belt. Nog, 
Uh, what I like back there, if you can see on the Let's wall. Let's settle down. Oh, yeah. Is all of the Enterprises. Jake, no. I wonder why they'd be so focused on the Enterprises. You got your, you got your Constitution class, your NCC 171A, B, C, and D. Why would they give a crap? There's a million starships. It's the flagship of the Federation. Oh, that's fair. You son of a bitch. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> Get your fucking rye bread out of here. <laughs> Nog! Thank you. Now, we only have two more weeks to get through before Mrs. O'Brien returns from Earth, so that shouldn't be too difficult. Right? You know what it is? What? Bread shouldn't have a flavor. What? That's the craziest bread. thing I've ever heard. Bread is there to hold the flavor by bread that same there. token everything should taste like wonder bread i don't see a problem with this oh my god all sandwich bread I this was, is what i'm saying i'm gonna shoot you at an airlock <laughs> <laughs> look i don't get me wrong i love like a garlic bread or what do you like, mean what about what about a hero what about a, a you know a nice italian bread what about a french bread a peasant bread those what? all taste the same no they don't they all yes, have they a do. different that's different texture they definitely different have different textures texture. They have the same ingredients. No, they have they have different tastes. Some have more of a poppy. Some have you know. There's also different levels of saltiness. Poppy, get it away from me. All right. What about bagels? Bagels don't taste like any of the breads you've described. Yeah, but bagels aren't there to be you know sandwiches. Bagels are there to be enjoyed with a schmear. Yeah, but they count as bread. No, they don't. Bagels (laughs) don't count as bread. Crazy. Count bagels as bread? Yes. Ridiculous. It's ridiculous. <laughs> right, let's get out our homework pads. We'll begin with the older students. Uh, your last assignment was to write an essay defining the term ethics. Let's start with... Nog. I don't have my essay. Why not? My pad was stolen. Is that a fact? Any idea who stole it? It happened at Quark's. I put it on a table, and there were some Vulcans nearby. Hold on. You're saying Vulcans stole your homework? Yes, sir. David Levantine is a supervising producer. Because they don't have ethics? (laughs) I mean... All right, that's enough. Seems like the Vulcans are a really poor choice for this lie. Yeah, well, I think that's the fun of it. But also, he at least understands ethics to say they don't have ethics if they would steal a child's pet. Hmm. Here, under our roof, I've never been so proud. You can live on pride, because that's all we'll have left when she's through with us. You think he's here to take over the bar? Why else would he have come all this way? To buy me out for a fraction of what the place is worth. You could always refuse to sell. Oh, why didn't I think of that? Idiot. The Nagus doesn't take no for an answer. Quark. Here. So ultimately, Quark is very astute and completely on it. It's exactly what he wants. He wants the bar, but he wants his son to want the bar. But he doesn't want the bar because he doesn't take the bar at the end. No, he wants his son to want the bar. He wants his son to take the bar. Uh-huh. 
Because Quarks is the key. Right. To all the commerce coming in and out of the Gamma Quadrant. But is that what he's saying? I thought he was saying at the end that he just wanted him to fucking chill in the bar and note what was happening until the moment was right to strike and then take everything from Quark. Was that what he was saying? Then I misinterpreted what he was saying. I don't think he was specific about whether he would, would actually imagine. take the bar or not. He might have meant that. But. Uh, please feel free to use my own brother's quarters for as long as you're with us. That should be satisfactory. Uh, now, uh, is there anything else I could do to make your stay a pleasant one? Invite me to dinner. <laughs> I'd be honored. Chief, Ooh, his real voice is closer to a Frankie voice again. than that. I'll get a crew on to meet you. Invite me to dinner. So, how's school? We'll muddle through, I imagine. Though I'm counting the days till Keiko gets back. And the students giving you a hard time? Well, you know how it is, sir. Kids, there's nothing they like better than to take advantage of a substitute teacher. I always did. I hope Jake's behaving himself. Jake? He's a fine lad, sir. It's just... Well... Just what? It's just... If he were my son, I'd find a friend for him other than Nog. I'm afraid that's easier said than done. The two of them have become inseparable. Well, I'd find a way to separate them, sir. And that Nog's a bad influence. I appreciate the advice, Chief, but I trust my son. Besides, if I get between them now, it would become me versus Nog, and I'm not going to force Jake to choose between us. Why not? Because I'd probably lose. Oh, I doubt that, sir. That's because your daughter's three. Wait until she's 14. Um. <laughs> a little, little, little TOS trumpet flare there. That's true. Lighter moment, lighter moment. <laughs> Um, and answer your question, Matt. David Livingston pitched, this is from Memory Alpha, David Livingston pitched the original story idea for the episode dealing with Quark acting as some sort of businessman with the B-plot having Jake teaching Nog how to read. The producers liked the B-story idea but disliked the A-story. Finally, on a, st uh, on a story meeting, Michael Pillar came up with the idea of doing The Godfather and Ira Stephen Bear was assigned to write the script. Livingston's only contribution to the Godfather story was the name Zek, <laughs> and uh, Iris Stephen Bear came up with the the, 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 the idea of the Nagus and the rules of acquisition, which are mentioned for the first time in the episode. So, <laughs> Nagus, why do you not say the hard Nagus. G? Nagus, what is happening? I don't even know me with words. I know, but words you read but never hear. But you're hearing it constantly in this episode. Nagus <laughs> could clever. be pronounced with a J. Oh, nothing. Yeah, but it's not in this context. Also, remember when we saw Ethan Phillips play the Grand Nagus when he was Neelix pretending to be the Grand Nagus? I do remember that. That was a good time. Sure. Oh, Voyager. The Terra Holdings are incredibly gullible people. He also told me how you betrayed him to the authorities and left him to rot behind bars while you kept all the profits. The sixth rule of acquisition expressly states... Never allow family to stand in the way of opportunity. I certainly never have. You see, I told you he had brains. You've done very well for yourself, Quark. Not that well. Don't contradict your elders. It's impolite. I suppose I'm doing quite well at that. <laughs> It was a stroke of brilliance to open a bar so close to a stable wormhole. But he didn't even know the wormhole existed. That's what makes it so impressive. 
ears to make the smart move before anyone else did, you could learn from his example. The really smart thing to give him the, the, the fucking Boy. horrible old man hair in his ears. Sure. Can I go now? I have homework. Did he say homework? There's a Federation school here, run by a human, a female. Human. And you allow your son to attend such a place? Nog, I never want you to step foot in there again. Now go to your room. And no studying. My apologies, Negus. It's those Federation do-gooders. Always sticking their ugly noses in other people's business. Most distressing. Yes, Nagus. Most distressing. Yes. Yes. Now, speaking of business, Quark, I've come to ask a favor of you, and one that would be very important to me. I need your bar. I knew it. And your services as host for an important conference to be held here tomorrow. At nine o'clock sharp. I would uh, consider it a privilege. And the purpose of this conference is... Uh... The future. And for Ferengi business interests, the future is already here. And its name is the Gamma Quadrant. This is kind of smart. Because it would be a huge thing uh, business-wise. In addition to other things, obviously. Uh, Do the Ferengis and the Romulans deal with each other a lot? I feel like they're the they're like the closest species in terms of that they value sort of duplicity and treachery over the other. Yeah, but they don't do it. The the the, the Empire, the Romulan Empire, does it for power, not know. for profit. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Gentlemen, be seated. I don't belong there. Don't you want to learn things? You mean like ethics? Yeah, and other stuff. You don't understand. I'm a Ferengi. For me, school is a waste of time. Why is that? Because there's no profit in it. So why are you getting mad at me? Because you're a stupid human. I don't know why I bother with you. Hey, say, look at that, how f- high Jake up is there. <laughs> Jake is up there. Um, that doesn't yeah, look safe that. for that that actor. <laughs> sure, you're right. Doesn't look at how high up he is. There's nothing holding him. The bar is too high. He's barely on the fucking platform. <laughs> well, like probably you know, right underneath him could be like 17 feet of padding. Yeah, but they don't. You can tell. I'm not going to school. See if I care. And lastly, I would like to salute Nava, whose takeover of the Arcebite mining refineries in the Clarius system is now complete. I congratulate you all. Profits are better than ever. (laughs) Nevertheless, 
it is becoming more and more difficult to find truly lucrative business opportunities here in the Alpha Quadrant. And why? Because no matter where we go, our reputation precedes us. A reputation tainted by the lies of our competitors, who maliciously spread the erroneous impression that we are not to be trusted. <laughs> a lot of rabble, rabble. Rabble, rabble. Dude, Frankies are built for it. <laughs> Wallace well, Sean is, uh, is really sucking up the prosthetics. Uh, I would think that maybe Wallace Sean, being from the theater, would be like, hey, I don't want to do all this crap, but he's really committed to it. Are you kidding me? When, once he saw the elephant man on Broadway, he's like, put the makeup on. <laughs> I'm old. The fire dims. I'm just not as greedy as I used to be. Yes, you are. More so. No? My mind's made up. I've already chosen my successor. <clears throat> A leader imagination and avarice will oversee Ferengi ventures in the Gamma Quadrant. The new Grand Nagus! Nagus. Quark! Wow! Amateur! Father, have you lost your mind? I won't stand! This is a... <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's your catalyst for Quark getting that. Then in this scene, Jake's eating oatmeal. There's a lot of breakfast she foods in this with other cultures. episode. I believe that, and I'm glad you believe it, too. But human values and Ferengi values are very different. We've never been able to form a common bond. So Nog goes his way and I go mine. It's kind of a huge thing for a human in the Federation to say. Hey. Well, they were built to be the main antagonists of the TNG era. I know, but I mean, the Klingons were built to be the main antagonists of the TOS era. It's just interesting. It's an interesting thing for for a a Starfleet person in command to say to his son. It's like basically like, what are you going to do? We can't work it out with them. They're, They're too fucked up. Look in the in the future uh, Discovery timeline. There's a USS Nog out there, so they must work it out. Oh yeah. How about after school we play a little baseball? I can't. I have something to do. Grand Nagus Quark. <sighs> I love the sound of that. <laughs> I'm afraid we were never formally introduced. I am Grawl, your new best friend. You wish to serve me? I wish to protect you. Protect me? From those who are jealous of your position and wish to take your place. They can be very dangerous. How do I stop them? Leave it to me. I'm not going to allow anybody to harm such a grateful friend as yourself. How grateful am I? Grateful enough to make sure that I have my pick of the most lucrative Gamma Quadrant opportunities. And if I refuse? You won't. So this is sort of thrown out there, and I thought it was interesting. But it takes a long time for everything in this episode to sort of come to a boil. And even the stuff with Jake 
and Benjamin is like very it's like several scenes of building up to like the reveal that he's actually helping Nog and it's like I like it I like the 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 Nagus stuff I like the finding out about the Ferengi and really fleshing out their worlds and I think all the all the Ferengi performances which are often tough and too huge and irritating are all really good um it's just the story's kind of logy um I feel like there could be more comedy. I know there is some comedy, but it's kind of just like, you know, Frankie's being greedy, Frankie's being cowardly, Frankie's, but it's not like really coming up with funny spins on it. They're not mining it. Yes. Potential. Except for actually this moment. It's strange that I should say that. You run my bar. <laughs> this is a pretty great performance. <laughs> It's strange that I should say that because that is the funniest moment in the episode, and the, exactly and the turn. Come by grief, are we? This is a private funeral service. Hmm. You have my sympathies for your loss. Nevertheless, when someone dies on my station, there are questions that must be answered. There was nothing suspicious about my father's death. It was caused by a massive infection of the tympanic membrane, a chronic condition. Then I hope you won't mind if I ask Dr. Bashir to examine the body. <laughs> that would be difficult. What's this? My piece of Zek. You see, when a Ferengi of my father's stature dies, the body is automatically vacuum desiccated and sold as a prize collectible. It's pretty How great. touch it. <laughs> what do you think um, these guys are carrying? They look like a. I'm gonna go with comically oversized pencil for a child's room. <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying you... to get that comically oversized pencil down to his his room the whole day. <laughs> I don't have time. <laughs> Look at Nog's little green shoes, like an elf. I know there's a... Go ahead. It wasn't important. I guess humans and Ferengis don't have a lot to talk about. That's what my father says. And like, this is a little bit two steps forward, one step back in terms of storytelling. It's like, well, he's had the thing. You know, he's already... Rom's kicked him out of school. I don't know. This is real slow. Quark is very lucky. Mm-hmm. Here is a Ferengi locator bomb designed to lock onto a target's pheromones. You mean they're attractive to body odor? Mm-hmm. Very deadly and very accurate. If Quark hadn't lowered his head at the last second... Commander. Yes, Doctor. I've just given Quark a thorough examination. He's a bit shaken up, nothing more. I guess it's time to have a little chat with the Grand Nagus. I'd be delighted. Nagus. See, and then they're friends again. And then you have this slow scene where it's like, and you know, we get right to it, but it's like, what is 
what is Cisco thinking about them? Boy, he's worried. He's whatever. And then there's a slow thing of him discovering. It's just like, it's very slow. All this being said. Your concern. Uh, in terms of the Ferengi performances, I think Aaron Eisenberg does a really great job as Nog. And I think he was bothering me early on. And I think so often Ferengis are overplaying it. And uh, he's a kid. And he makes the one little choice with the voice to kind of do it a little bit like a Ferengi, but not too much. And the rest of it, he just plays like a kid. It's pretty It's pretty good. Good character work. Good. Then you can tell me all about it. I can't. It's private. Private. Uh, I gotta go. I'll be late for school. I want you home in time for dinner. Understood? Understood. Scratch, 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 scratch. The thing is, uh, Nagus, I feel I've done all I can in the field of gouge mining. You wish to find profit elsewhere? <laughs> yes, Nagus. Where would that be? I'd like the chance to introduce Synthahol to the Gamma Quadrant. A very lucrative opportunity. <laughs> Have we seen this stick creature Tell before? Me, Nava, when Zek announced I was to succeed... Yeah, that's what uh, Worf and uh, Riker rescued oh, from Oh, that's fire. right! I thought Remember? I'd seen it before. I gotta say, I love... It's such a great choice, and I wonder who made this choice for... Quark to have that stick creature like his supervillain cat. It's so funny. <laughs> this fucking little little calm, affectionate fucking stick. Opportunity, which I'm willing to split with you. 50-50? Well, in that case, let's hope the Gamma Quadrant develops a taste for synthol. <laughs> <laughs> A very smart deal, Negus. I seem to have a knack for it, don't I? Yes, Negus. Uh, the rest will have to come back tomorrow. All this benevolence wearies me. Yes, Negus. <laughs> That's a funny one. <laughs> um, Possibly failed. Apparently that move with the ear was him intentionally being like the Godfather. It's kind of funny. Well, it works out nicely. Now I want to. I, this is the scene I wanted to talk to you about. Okay. I, I saw this scene and I was like, I wonder what Andy thinks is happening here. This feels like Dax's entire goal from the moment she sets foot in the quarters <laughs> is to Dude. get him to leave so she can eat the food. <laughs> it certainly ends like that. It really, She's even kind of playing coy, just like, oh, I'm just tasting, I'm just tasting, and then the second he leaves, she fucking giant pours herself a giant bowl. Chess, but. I can see you're just sitting down to dinner. I sat down half an hour ago about the time Jake was supposed to be home. Aubergine stew. <laughs> Looks delicious. So where's Jake? Where else? With Nog. Going through my own adolescence was difficult enough. Surviving my sons is going to take a miracle. Maybe it's time you had a little talk with Jake. Children need to know their boundaries. Or I should know I've been a mother three times and a father twice. 
Which was easier? Actually, I wasn't very successful either way, so... Feel free to reject what I'm about to say, but if I were you, I would go find Jake and bring him here to eat his dinner. You would? Absolutely. Computer, locate Jake Sisko. Jake Sisko is in Cargo Bay 14. Thanks, old man. Does that suggest that Dex, in her previous lives, was too lenient with her children? That aubergine stew looks fantastic, by the way. No, again, she just wanted him out of there. <laughs> That's it. She didn't give a shit about any of it. Correct. <laughs> like, what's gonna what's gonna get him out? Of the room so I can eat this delicious <laughs> stew. I think you should leave. Find Jake and then go out to dinner. <laughs> Find Jake and uh, stop by Quarks and get something out of the replimat. Take a trip to the wormhole. All right. So then we find out that uh, Rom and Cracks are trying to kill him. Meanwhile, Odo's hot on the trail of assistant guy. Mark <laughs> gets lucky in like five oh different ways. Go bus, obey, leg out. Sorry, Court, but you've just been voted out of office. Run, brother, please. So you were going to toss me out an airlock. I never meant it! Well, I do. Rounds. Nice name for a bar, don't you think? Enough talk. Let's get this started. It's good nose work on that makeup. Very, really nice work. After all. You're alive! Well, Cork, looks like you needed my help after all. I like how the constable does not arrest either of them for attempted murder. No. Don't you recognize your father? You died. I saw it happen. You saw me under a dope marquee sleeping trance. May Hartnew taught it to me. But why, father? It was a test to see if you were ready to take my place. And you failed miserably. <laughs> but father, I am ready. I am ready. You saw for yourself. I was about to grab power. You don't grab power. You accumulate it quietly without anyone noticing. But, but I don't understand. The bar, you fool. That was the key. All those visitors stopping by on their way to and from the wormhole. You could have sat there quietly at your leisure and gathered up all the information you needed about the Gamma Quadrant. But what about him? Ah, you could have let him hold the scepter while you controlled everything from the shadows. And then, when everything was running smoothly, only then would you take over. But father... No, I'm not interested in excuses. Go back to the ship. We'll be leaving here shortly. Yes, father. It's like... It's, it, it's like talking to a Klingon. <laughs> really good good delivery. So I like that choice, and I wonder if this was written or not. It seems like it would have just been decided on the set. 
to have Wallace Shawn use the uh, his henchman as his cane, basically just carry a hold onto his arm. Uh, right. He's walking. I, I noticed that. No, look, that's a very funny. It's a very funny choice. Yeah. If I hear of any good gamma quadrant deals, you'd be right for. I'll let you know. You know where to find me. You've done a very profitable job with this place. Who knows? Maybe one day I'll come back and buy it from you. <laughs> like, I wonder if it was like Wallace Shawn heard Armin Shimmerman's laugh uh-huh. and then tried to mimic it, and like this just became the Ferengi laugh. No, I feel like he, he must have been like, oh, I'm in this fucking makeup. I can go as big as I want. Yeah, but like, I mean, Armin does the laugh. He doesn't do it like that, though. It's pretty close. No, it isn't. If you go back to him laughing at Rom, he just goes, a, he's like, ha, 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 ha. And a- how is Wallace Shawn doing it? <laughs> 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 oh, yeah, very different. Just, yeah. Forgive you. Why, brother? I didn't think you had the lobes. Such wonderful treachery deserves a reward. I'm going to make you the assistant manager of policy and clientele here at Quarks. What exactly does that mean? How should I know? I just made it up. Come on. I'll buy you a drink. So what time tomorrow? That's nice. How about as soon as you get out of school? Look at this. Susie Plaxenish Solar-like Vulcan walking by. Jake. I didn't even notice that the first time. Yeah. I was more like interested in like, is that like a giant sea beast creature skeleton? What's going on <laughs> up there? <laughs> oh, behind them? Yeah. It what is weird, doing? those things that are there. I was waiting for you. Why is that? It's just an exhibit? <sighs> this is really sweet. He kisses him on the head. Dad. You're a great boy. You know that? It's so nice. He's a good kid. I'll go be with your friend. Your little rotten friend. Um. Before we wrap up, mm. two uh, made-up words words we know: uh, Jokarian chess and Dolbargi sleeping trance. Which I guess is a made-up word. Two words we know. It's true. Uh, the uh, did you see the Bib Fortuna walking behind him? <laughs> no, I didn't see him. Boy, you know that. oh wow, <laughs> that is totally a Bib Fortuna. Guys, <laughs> okay, he's, he's trying. Just he just went through a time rift. He's trying You're to get back. Boy, you know that. Uh, all right. That's your Bib Fortuna for the day. <laughs> this has been the Bib Fortuna Minute. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. We did an hour of hails and 42 minutes of the episode. <laughs> we are a very odd podcast. Um, There's a lot of Star Trek content in there. Sure. Let's do some MVC action. And... Which, well, where's the DS9 MVC? 
Uh, we'll find it. Don't you worry, everyone. These You're are freaking. So, some, of, some of these are very long. I'm yeah. trying to find one that isn't the longest ever. Who will it be? The MVC. Thank you, Cosmo. Uh, oh. Mm. Yeah. I mean, Is it's it all sort of. Oh, no. <laughs> he does do his job. Do we only see Bashir briefly? Yes. Um, Is it Dax for getting a hold of that stew? <laughs> yeah, even even Cisco kind of like he suspects his son and then it turns out he's wrong. Like maybe Jake. Is Kira in this episode? No. What is going on? <laughs> was it some kind of a of a was it a budgetary reason? No, it couldn't have been because they well maybe it was they spent all the on the guest cast and then they had to no but they would have they would have had to pay the regulars their their rate anyway right what a weird thing nobody's in this episode um I'm thinking it's Jake unless you want to say it's Odo but Odo doesn't even really catch anybody he doesn't. I guess he saves Quark. Mm-hmm. He's, he's sort of useful to the show. I don't know if he's useful to the station. Unless you want to argue that it's better to keep Quark in because, you know, that sort of logic of, well, I'm just going to have to figure out a new corrupt Ferengi's deal if we don't keep them in there. Right. Um, um, is it O'Brien for uh, pinch hitting for Keiko? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, is it O'Brien for doing good job teaching? Even Quark kind of doesn't accomplish anything. Correct. Is it Rom for proving himself to Quark by being duplicitous? That also doesn't help the station. <laughs> right. Uh, I'm going to give it to Jake. Okay. I mean,. I guess so. Who are you going to give it to? I was going to give it to Odo. That's fine. For investigating. I think those are both reasonable. He's definitely the one who's doing his job the most, but he doesn't really... I guess he saves Quark's life. O'Brien's doing his job and somebody else's job. You know what I mean? That is true. Maybe he's the most valuable crew member. If you're going by who's doing the most jobs, it's Chief O'Brien. It's true. Didn't seem to have much control over that class, though. No, he did not. That does it for that. Now let's award this some Andes. How many Andes does this episode get? A little bit of a tough one. Because I, the reason I said you should watch it is because it feels like, all right, this is very important to the Frankie mythology. It's mm-hmm. it's all pretty well done with Frankie's. Got Wallace Shawn in it. Um, good performance by Armin Shimmerman. Um, great performances all around. Uh, and it's a sweet story between Cisco and his son, but it's very uneventful and kind of that story is a little bit boring and it, mm-hmm. and it takes a long time to get to where it's going, which is not very, not much of a place. The Nagus one is sort of more interesting, but it's like it even takes a long time to get to the the assassination attempt. And there is good comedy, I will I will admit that, but I feel like a fucking episode packed with Ferengis, I would have wanted more. So I give it credit for the things it accomplished, but I give it a six. Uh, 
Okay. I'd say you, Matthew Meyer. That's ex- I, I, honestly, that's exactly where I was landing. Was a six because it's a little better than average, and also you do get so much more information about the about the uh, Ferengi. Ferengi. And also, it's the you know the ju- the 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 Jake Nog relationship. Yeah, that's starting to have uh, you know that's starting to have some fleshing out. Right. Um. So, yeah. And Andy, I cannot find a trailer for Vortex. Really. Yeah, is that crazy? I yeah. think that's crazy. Why can't I find it? Hmm. Is it possible that's not the title of the episode? No, it is. <laughs> I mean, I'll just search by episode number, maybe? Series trail. Oh, I think I found one. No, that's the whole... Yeah. Wait. It's a fan trailer. That's not a thing. No. Don't click on that. You'll get too many spoilers. No. Thank you. Um, yeah, I don't see a trailer for it. Um, Anywhere. That's wild. It's the first time it's ever happened. Oh, well. <laughs> Tune in next week for an episode that uh, we don't know anything really about. Except uh-huh. that a fugitive from the Gamma Quadrant attempts to trade evidence about Odo's people for freedom. There you go. This is very disturbing. Don't be disturbed. It's okay. Hang in there. Um, Hang in there. Well, if you find it, send it to us. Um. Anyway, uh, you guys still did great. You all did great. You all love uh, rye bread just like me. <laughs> um, Next time Andy brings it some... up, I'll be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> so true. That's crazy. Rye can... bread is delicious. You can definitely go for some. <laughs> you can go for some rye bread right now. You can go for some deli. I've been trying to pull back slightly. And I do just not have the, uh, enjoy just it. Have, just have the inside of the sandwich. <laughs> All right, everyone. We'll see you. Disengage!